when you have a business that is so values driven, you can surprise and delight your consumers as they learn new things about you. Welcome to The Irresistible Factor, the podcast for brands in the health and wellness space who want to be irresistible, not only to consumers, but to investors and retailers. Here we talk to successful entrepreneurs about the inspiring stories that help them start and grow their awesome brands. And we also talk to investors, leaders in private equity, and retail buyers about what makes brands irresistible to them. Hi, everyone. Welcome to today's episode of The Irresistible Factor. Today, I'm super excited because I'm talking with Lee Wallace, who is the CEO of Peace Coffee. She's actually been with the company since 2006, and in 2018, she bought it. So now she's the CEO and owner. So welcome, Lee. We're really excited to have you today. Thank you. I'm I'm happy to be here. Thank you. So I love two things. One is I love coffee. So I'm really excited anytime I get to talk to anyone who wants to talk about coffee. Um, The other is I think that your story of your brand is so compelling and unique. So I'm thinking that we start with you just telling us how Peace Coffee came to be and what you stand for, and then we can go from there. Okay, great. Yeah. So Peace Coffee is a fair trade and organic coffee company, and we are based in Minneapolis, Minnesota, although we are now distributed across the United States. And we got our start in 1996. So in 1996, there was a nonprofit organization called the Institute for Agriculture and Trade Policy, and I'll call it IATP from here on out to shorten up the amount of time I spend (laughs) saying the name of that nonprofit. So IATP is a, a nonprofit that was born out of the family farm crisis in the Midwest in the 80s. And in the lead up to NAFTA, they began thinking about how to influence farm policy around the world and not just in the United States. So they traveled to Mexico and they were talking at one point in time to a group of coffee farmers. And they were saying, you know, how can we help you as this as as an organization that advocates for better policy for farmers? And the farmers just kept saying to them, you know, when you're trying to figure out how to feed your kids and, you know, put clothes on your kids' backs having a discussion about trade policy is way too abstract. Mm-hmm. So, you know, and they, they said, well, what we really need is markets. We need better markets. And this was before fair trade um, was a concept that really existed in people's minds in the United States. This is before people were really thinking about where food comes from, mm-hmm. let alone where coffee comes from. Yeah. So it, it was a very new um, idea to bring coffee to the United States and tell the story of the farmers that grew it and explain why fair prices are really important important for farm families around the world. But they did that. And out of that experiment, Peace Coffee was born. And so, you know, what is really fun, I mean, I'm so grateful to the former owners for letting me run the business from 2006 to 2018 and then to buy the business from them, is, you know, their vision was to have this business reflect a bundle of values from day one. So it's just, it's such a blast to to have that be a part of our DNA all the way back to our inception. Can I ask you a little bit about how, I mean, obviously that's how the company was born and you are truly purpose-driven um, from the beginning before you even existed as a coffee selling company. So can you talk about how it affects you guys and what you do today as an organization? Yeah. So, you know, one of the 
kind of anchors of everything that we do is the fact that we started our own importing company. So coffee uh, is sold in shipping container lots, right? So if you're truly importing directly from coffee farmers, you're buying you know, your coffee in 40,000 pound increments. So that's difficult to, that's not really startup scale, right? No. So we, in 1999, actually started our own importing company and it's owned by, you know, 25 or so coffee companies that are located across North America. And that, that way, you know, we can assure that our supply chain is truly ethical and that we mm-hmm. understand every single part of, of our supply chain. So that's, that's really important. And then, you know, the other thing that we think a lot about because we truly do have direct relationships, you know, something that people in coffee don't really talk about is it's really the importer who has the relationships and are, are is determining what's going on on the ground in coffee growing communities. And because we own our own importing company, we actually have those relationships on the ground in coffee growing communities. So that simple fact really allows us to understand what moves, what moves the needle in these communities and how we can truly be partners and have as much impact as possible. And then, you know, when we come back to the United States, um, what we're thinking about is how can we you know, really be a stakeholder-driven company. And so we're, we think about all of our stakeholders as we do business. So we're thinking about, you know, how are we showing up in our community in Minneapolis and doing the right thing for Minneapolis? How are we, you know, being a good employer? I love employing people. I think being an employer is um, one of the most powerful things you can do. You know, you're determining what 40 hours, 50 hours out of someone's yeah. week looks and feels like. So so we're thinking about all of our stakeholders. And, you know, then we also we were designed to be a demonstration project. So the other thing that we're doing is we're getting out there, we're talking about how how businesses can positively impact the communities that they do business in. And we want to people to look at us and ask us questions and notice what we're doing. Okay, that's awesome. Do you think that a lot of your current consumers really know the backstory? Is it important to you that they know the backstory? You know, I, I think about any business, but especially Peace Coffee is an onion, right? So it, when you hit the outside of the onion, the first thing is, is this solving a problem for me? You know, if, if our coffee's not delicious, then we don't even have a business, right? Yeah. So if someone just loves the packaging and loves the taste of the coffee, great, you know? Um, and then you can kind of, you know, peel down. So there's some people who are going to be super fans and they're going to want to know every nerdy little detail about your business yeah. all the way into the core. And there's some people who are going to bounce around on the outside or, you know, and I think what's really powerful about it though, is the people, when you have a business that is so values driven, you can surprise and delight your consumers as they learn new things about you. And people want to interact with brands that way. They want to have these aha moments or these moments of surprise and delight, whether it's innovation and releasing new products or whether it's, you know, them reading a a blog post about your sustainability efforts. So do you actively figure out how to surprise and delight them or are you sort of putting things in places where consumers can discover them on their own? Um, You know, I think, we um, tell our story, you know, we, we mm-hmm. use PR to tell the different elements of our story. So I think, you know, brands should be thinking about how they are um, communicating all the time and telling their story all the time. 
to their consumers. So yeah, we're thinking about how we get in front of people. Um, you know, we, we revised our packaging in 2019 and a lot of that was, you know, how are we telling our story on our packaging? How are we telling our story through social media? How are we telling our story through news outlets? Um, so yeah, we're, we're, we are, we are actively are looking for ways to get our, our story out there. And what, um, can you talk about the growth of the company and how that's gone over the past couple of years and what your sort of plan is? Like how, how big do you want to get? Where do you want to have distribution? Um, you said you have distribution across the U.S. right now. Yep. Um, is that in stores? Yes. So the, the North Star for us at Peace Coffee is the more coffee we buy, the more impact we have, okay. right? So that's that's like what we all line up behind. Okay. Um, you know, less than 50% of the coffee that is grown organically and under fair trade terms is currently sold with those attributes. So coffee farmers will carefully tend their land, you know, they'll check all the boxes on the fair trade certification, but at the end of the year, they don't have buyers for all of their production. And then they end up selling it on the commodity market and getting mm -hmm. much less money mm -hmm. than they could otherwise get. So that's why for us, it's like, you know, growing equals impact. So, you know, in we're in retail stores from Michigan to Detroit, we're, you know, we just got into Sprouts, which takes us all the way from California, all yes. along the, the southern part of the United States into the southeastern seaboard. Um, people can check out our website, peacecoffee.com and put yeah. in their zip code to see if they can buy it. We also, you can buy directly from us. We ship via e-commerce to, you know, all of the continental United States. And what would you like to see happen with the brand as you grow? Like, do you, have you guys done, uh, I'm assuming you have, but I don't know. Have you done a capital raise since you've been in charge of the business? Yes. So, you know, the, the goal with buying the business was to begin to inject capital into the business to fuel growth. Yeah. So that's, we're really in very much in growth mode right now. Um, yeah, we have, we have raised, raised a round of funding um, and we're putting that to work to help support our growth. Um, and, and really, you know, I, I, I keep saying, you know, I think my goal is to be one of the people. I definitely wouldn't be the only one, um, but I want to be one of the people that really proves that you can grow a business and still retain your core values. That's so interesting that you said that because I was literally just going to ask you when you were looking for capital and you were in that mindset, were you thinking about where this money comes from is really important, especially for a brand like us who is our values mean everything to us. Yeah. And a, and a good investor is going to understand that if you mess with that, you ruin the brand. I mean, mm -hmm. there's definitely tons of examples where people didn't get that. Um, yes, there but are. yeah, but the value in the company is the brand. And so I needed to make sure, and the, the brand is our set of values, right? Yeah. So um, I needed to make sure that any money that I brought into the business um, was from investors who understand that our value proposition um, is really important to, to retaining the, the I keep saying value, 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 the value in the, in the business, right? Yeah, but I know it is because your proposition is based on something that's different than a lot of things that get talked about when you're raising capital. A lot of things get right. talked about are what's our growth strategy and how many stores are we going to be in by X time? And what is the plan for scaling? And the 
purpose of the company is important, but it's not always the first thing that people talk about when they're thinking about investing. Right. Yes. Well, and I think, you know, so Peace Coffee is a certified B Corporation. Mm -hmm. And I think that that certification also helps you with mission lock. Yeah. Because you don't want to lose that certification. And so we got certified prior to going out to raise money. And that was, um, that was intentional. So I wanted the business to be certified as a B Corporation before I went out to raise money to buy the business. Yeah. Because then people really understand what, you know, that the board is expected to review, you know, our ESG goals that, you know, the, we're, we're expected to talk about things other than just the bottom line in board meetings. So, and again, I also think building our value, our, our supply chain or value chain ethically since day one and owning our own importer and having that be part of part of the, uh, of the business also really has helped. Yeah. Cause it's part of your culture. It's just part yep. of who you are. Yeah. It's yep. not a question. You don't have to sell it in. No. And it must be awesome actually to sit and have other things to talk about aside from numbers at those meetings, because sometimes those meetings are tough because all you're doing is rationalizing and justifying and saying why things worked and didn't work. But I think having that other aspect is at least interesting. I'm from a business perspective. Can you talk about that? Do you think it's really helped you grow or has it slowed you down in any way? I think you know being owned for, by a nonprofit for a lot of years where what they wanted us to do is to be conservative and take yeah. a conservative stance yeah. because we couldn't risk oh swinging a miss sorry I need you know a few hundred thousand dollars. Yes. So yes. It's been really interesting. And I always joke like I'm in my second career at the same business where now we have more freedom and more ability to take risks and to go after growth more aggressively. And so I I think that's actually been great. And it's also really fun that when we do get into storytelling with the board and talk about impact, the people's eyes just light up. Mm -hmm. I feel like they're part of something that's way more important. What are your priorities for growth for the over the next couple of years? Do you have like two or three that are really, really super important? I think what's been really interesting is is the way the pandemic has shifted our business. So in March of 2020, when everything shut down, our business, about 25% of our sales was food service, colleges, universities, coffee shops, restaurants, offices. So that obviously all went away. What was really interesting is that the bets we had placed on growth in 2020, we placed bets on e-commerce and awesome. grocery. Amazing. And so we were able to capitalize on the fact that that's where we placed our bets. Yeah. And so even though we lost 25% of our, percent of our business, our business still grew 25% in 2020. Mm-hmm. Yep. And yeah, yep. our focus uh, in 2021 continues to be on, you know, food services starting to come back. That's great. We do want to aggressively pursue food service sales. Um, but, you know, e-commerce is a huge priority for us. Um, you know, it's a great way to get your coffee like as fresh as possible, delivered right to your door in your home. Um, you know, subscription dollars are great when we can sign someone up for a prescription and then they just mm-hmm. forget about it, solves a yeah. problem for them because coffee is a pantry product. So, you know, we, we are definitely focused on e-commerce and we still continue to focus on growing our, our grocery footprint because I think, you know, coffee is a ritual and people have shifted that ritual to home. 
mm-hmm. um, and have invested in coffee making equipment and mm-hmm. and things like that. So we're going to continue to really focus on on growing our our grocery footprint as well. Were you a coffee lover before you joined this company? I definitely drank coffee. Yes. Yeah. Yep. You know, I, I'm still I'm pe- people kind of imagine that I drink coffee all day and I don't do that. You know, people ask me if I have a favorite coffee and that's like asking me if I have a favorite child. Like I love, yeah. you know, switching around and trying all, all all of our different coffees and different bag every week. So, yeah. What did you do before this? Were Was it like, did you ever imagine before you wound up there that you were going to buy the company and be running a CP, what's virtually a CPG company now? Right. No, <laughs> no. Um, so I, people laugh and they're like, well, have you had like every job on the planet? Um, <laughs> I was always really, really interested in where mission and money meet. And so how you can use entrepreneurship to solve more than just a consumer problem, but also mm-hmm. solve a, a societal problem. Mm-hmm. And I got interested in that before people were talking about it. And so I was always just searching for places to do that, which is how I ended up at Peace Coffee. But yeah, I have worked for a human rights nonprofit that had lots of different earned income programs. I've worked for a food co-op. I've worked for a grant making foundation, working on building inc- business incubators um, and thinking about how to spur entrepreneurial innovation in rural communities across the state awesome. of Minnesota. And then before I came to Peace, I was a consultant and I was helping different organizations think about this mission money connection. And mm-hmm. originally I got brought into Peace Coffee as a consultant. Didn't think I was primed to leave my consulting role at all. I really thought I was coming in, providing interim leadership and helping the owners do an assessment and, and come up with a strategic and business plan for the for the company. And, and here I am. Wow. 15 years later. Wow. Well, you've definitely had a theme. You've had a lot of jobs, but there's been a theme the whole time, yep. which is pretty cool. And you must be thrilled that the world is catching up to you now because literally that's what's happening. <laughs> yeah. It, I remember when I realized it was actually happening. I mean, I always thought, I always strongly suspected my gut was always that this was where the world was going to go. Um, but that's you know, very optimistic of you, I will say. I, yeah. yeah. Well, <laughs> entre- that is a key. Uh, if you're going to be an entrepreneur, yeah. you have to be optimistic um, because there's a lot of a lot of bumps in the road. So yeah, I, I always thought that that the consumer was there. And I remember when I started realizing that the world had caught up with us. Um, and it was it was exciting. I mean, it was like, wow, there's all these new places we can go and take this, take this. And you know, our brand does travel really well now. Um, and we do well in new markets. So that's really exciting. Yeah, and the name, I mean, I love the name. It's so appealing. It gives you such a good feeling. It feels right for coffee. Like there's so many great things about it. And I assume that that is a huge part of when you get introduced to new consumers, that must be something that they feel really excited about. Yeah, people, I remember a few years ago, someone said, I can't believe you managed to trademark the word peace. And, um, you know, it's, it's a, it's, it's funny story. I mean, what ended up happening was originally Peace Coffee was just one of our SKUs. And then consumers loved the name so much that that became the name of the company. And it was really sort of market research with, with by accident. 
I guess yeah. is what I would say. Mm-hmm. Um, and and that, that did happen pretty early on in the business, but it was consumers just started calling all of our coffees Peace Coffee because they loved the name so much. That's amazing. I have one more question for you about health and wellness in general, because, you know, I don't know if I know of one other thing like coffee where there is such a divide on whether people think it is crazy healthy or something that is a bad habit that people should be breaking, you know, cause there's this whole school of thought that says, and evidence that says coffee can help with diabetes and blood sugar and all kinds of things. And then there are these other people that say, just stop drinking coffee, stop drinking coffee. You'll calm down. You won't be nervous. You won't have high blood pressure, all those things. So I'm just wondering where you, where you fall on that spectrum or, or do you not even think about health and coffee? I would, nobody's ever asked me this question before. Ooh, uh, yeah. <laughs> um, you know, I am a fan of listening to your body. I mean, mm-hmm. you know, and I think things impact people differently. Do I think there's evidence that there are products that are much more dangerous than coffee to your health? Yes. But, you know, I, I do think, you know, everybody's body processes caffeine differently, processes coffee differently. So I think, you know, my recommendation is be in touch with what your body likes. I know there's lots of decaf coffee drinkers out there. The other thing I will say is, you know, depending on the way that your coffee is brewed, your body metabolizes the caffeine in it differently. So for example, if I'm drinking cold press, I know I get caffeinated very differently than if I have a shot of espresso or then if I have uh, a cup of brewed coffee. So again, just take note and, and, and go with what your body likes. That's a really excellent answer. You answered like a nutritionist. <laughs> <laughs> I love that. I always use the argument about coffee being healthy for you to justify my terrible addiction to it. <laughs> <laughs> well, yeah, I mean, I, you know, I definitely have experienced, um, it's funny when you start working for a coffee company, I watch people just get totally out of control and then they have to like dial it back yeah. because, you know, there's a point at which too much caffeine impacts everybody. So yeah, I've had to just learn, you know, here's my pattern. Here's how much coffee I can have. And I don't really fall into that trap at all anymore. Awesome. Is there anything that you'd like to add? Like, do you have any advice for entrepreneurs who are coming out of this pandemic, either thinking, I don't know if this is what I want to do anymore, or people who are thinking about starting companies that things that have happened that you would say, watch out for this, or make sure you do this, or here's how I stay inspired. Yeah, I think, you know, entrepreneurship is not easy. And what I've watched happen is that we really, we now as a culture, we idolize entrepreneurs. And so I think, you know, like the Elon Musk's of the world and, you know, the, you know, people who end up on the front page of Fast Company or, or what have you, um, you know, I think know that those, you know, those people are called unicorns for a reason. Yeah. A lot of businesses in the United States are much more mom and pop and don't, you know, grow to be 20 to 20 billion, 20 million to $20 billion businesses. Um, so I think really set realistic expectations for yourself and understand that, you know, businesses, a lot of businesses don't make it yeah. and, or, and, or, you know, so many businesses struggle and have to innovate and pivot and, you know, change their game plan so many times before they do find firm footing. 
you know, I listen to a ton of podcasts like this. I think it's really great to expose yourself as much as possible. I participate in peer groups. I talk to tons of other CEOs. So if you are going to launch a business, you need to A, know what you're good at, know what you're not good at, and B, really be dedicated to, to learning and building a community around you to support you. That's really good advice. I think the building of a community around you is is especially good advice because I do think unless you're lucky, a lot of entrepreneurs go it alone and a lot of CEOs are going it alone. And that's a tough, that's a tough road. Really. It's, it's yeah, I, for some people it works, but being able to pick up the phone and call another entrepreneur and say, I'm really struggling with this one yep. thing. Yeah. Look, here, here's a really kind of stark example of why it's so important to have a community around you. Everybody knows that Minneapolis is the, the place where George Floyd was murdered. And our roasting facility is literally, you can stand on the roof of our roasting facility and see the third precinct police building that burned down. And in June, everything around us burned. I mean, I was just like, oh my gosh, I'm going to lose everything. Mm -hmm. And some friends of mine who own a juice company here in town, they got their staff to rent Penske trucks, drive them to my roasting facility and move the inventory out in the middle of riots and everything being on fire. And our, our roasting facility did not burn down, but the, the strip mall that's right next to us did. And that was because they cared about me and I had built, built a community and no, if I had been alone in that situation, it, it just, I don't know. I don't know what I would have done. Well, you think everything's happening to you and it's probably never happened to anyone else. And there's no solve for it because you don't realize that you're, you know, those kinds of things happen. I mean, that, that specifically doesn't happen to everyone. That's a right. very, very unusual Extreme example. Yeah. Um, but there are, I mean, you do sort of get into this tunnel vision place where you can't find your way out unless you have some. So I think that's excellent advice. And then I have one more question for you. I, and then I'll let you go. What's your favorite thing about being an entrepreneur? Oh, that's, that's so easy. You never stop learning. And and I guess the flip side of that would be if you're a person who gets exhausted by the idea of having to every, I mean, every single year I sit down and I say, here's what I have to get good at to get my company through this stage. Mm -hmm. Here's what I have to get good at. And it's everything from, you know, building your internal culture, learning about, you know, as you get into new channels or work with new retailers, learning about that, um, learning how to de, uh, you know, take the complexity out of your operations so you can continue to scale. I mean, it's just, I love wearing 62 different hats. I love watching other people learn and grow. I love being, you know, on the outside of the business and interacting with new people and talking about what we're doing. You know, I love the variety of the work and I love that I'm constantly learning. So yeah, I'm, I'm ruined. I'll never do anything else. (laughs) I hope that you're right. I hope, because I think it's so exciting what you're doing and I love the brand and I, this has been one of my favorite interviews. Thank you so much. Really. Thank you. Yeah. It's been fun.